Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border. This time from the eastern border of your favorite country, the United States of Capitalism. I mean, uh, America. Same thing, really. Anyway, we welcome a person that I wanted to have on the show for a long time. A friend of mine, a listener from the history of uh, the name I can't pronounce. Well, it's Georgia. He'll explain later on. A friend of mine who's also Cuban and from Georgia, and we're going to mess around because it's late recording this time, and I just wanted to speak with someone who's more qualified than I am when we're talking about the southern parts of the Soviet Union. So please introduce yourself, comrade. All right. Gabarjova. My name is Roberto from the history of Sakarvelo, Georgia. And I guess I'm right here on the eastern border now, all the way from the United States of America. My show is about the history of Georgia, the country down the Black Sea and Caucasus region. And right now we're currently dealing with the ancient antiquity period. But I am trying my best to do some Soviet history stuff to branch out a bit because sometimes not having enough sources gets kind of boring. So today we're going to talk about a subject that I really like, which also does not have enough sources about. So that'll be great. Oh, wow. Um, what a surprise here. Uh, talking about the subject does not have enough sources. So true, it hits home hard. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's an issue I always run into when I'm researching. It's like, oh, yeah, where's all the, the sources I need for this? Oh, never mind. They're non-existent. So I'll just figure out something else. Well, we can spend three hours talking about Uncle Koba, comrade. Oh, yes. Uncle Koba will show up in the <laughs> in this topic uh, this, yeah. <laughs> happy this is mandatory Kira stops <laughs> i have a gin and tonic here so i'm fine <laughs> no like uh, honestly nice to meet you and i hope your show's going well so then um, i heard you have read a poem let's start with that because one thing you have to know guys if you ever go to georgia their hospitality will either kill you or kill you oh yes for sure Mr. Not Mr. Jigit. He's a true Jigit here, after all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, so this poem is actually by the king of poetry himself, Galaktion Tabidze. And this was given to me by my Georgian language teachers. 
And I really enjoyed the poem, so I'm going to read it out to you in Georgian and then in English, if that's okay with you, Christops. Totally. I mean, uh, I can't say no to someone whose name is Galaktion. Oh, yeah, Galaxy. That would be great. Okay. So it's, this poem is called Ia, and I'm going to read it now. So, Galakshi mitverši caik sabavšvi, nukrist valebit mit mimozebit, da mitsukharebi smale niavši, Mopriner lurgi angelodzebi. Šešlili sahit kioda kucha, šorski mize darša da mišobli skera, mizeze kvaoda soplad alucha, daga ismoda debi simhera. In the city, a child fell into the dust, with doe like eyes and mimosas in their hair, and grief soon in the breeze flew like blue angels. A mad face was screaming on the street. From afar the sun stayed and the parent was at the hearth. In the sun there was a village of Alucha, and there the sister's song was heard. Madloba. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, the Georgian stuff is that to start the conversation, when we're talking about Galiktion Tabidze, even though his word literally means galaxy, you have to understand that this is probably, if not the most important poet of Georgia in, in itself. I mean, it's kind of like Pushkin. In, comp- you can compare it with Pushkin to Russia. Oh, no, for sure. To turn everything into a sad note, this person was suffering from both Lavrenti Beria and Mr. Stalin a lot. He was interrogated and uh, tortured insanely. His wife got killed, yet he kept on the spirit because that's the fighting spirit you have to keep up with. But um, he keeps on to many people's hearts. And that's the thing, because when Georgia comes to my mind, I always think about all this toughness, sort of. I mean, there's a kind of toughness here, because I always speak about toughness being a Soviet value. That again, it's very explicit in Georgia. Please do go on, because uh, that's one value that I think you'd have a lot to say on. Yeah, with the... Yes, even with the Georgians, um, what I've noticed is I've been researching and just kind of reading more about them and understanding their culture. They've been invaded and conquered quite a lot. They've had the Persians with the Achaemenids. Uh, they've had Alexander the Great. They've had the Romans, the Parthians, the Byzantines, all the Islamic successor states, and just so many people just coming over. But they've survived, and they're one of the oldest civilizations in Europe that have been able to survive, and it's just thanks to like their hardiness and just also living in the mountains really helps. So like it's kind of hard to beat them when you can't find them. That's one of the things I really like about Georgia. And I actually wanted to talk about Galaktionta Biza today just because one, it's relevant to the Eastern border. And two, it's something it's going to take me a while to get to. So I, I thought, oh, let me just jump ahead and actually pick a topic that I would be interested in learning about ahead of time and talking to people about. I mean, um- Everything's related to the Eastern world. No, honestly speaking, um, I'm just amazed because, uh, well, when I when I studied on this guy, there's a lot of parallels about what he also went through and what impacted their own thing. Because we have to get back to, I say, you know, end of World War One, basically, well, late World War One, to understand all his poems and everything. Yeah, and that's actually one thing um, as I was also researching is that it's it's really hard to translate his poems into English and other languages because there's a lot of um, imagery that doesn't translate well into other languages. 
But I'm going to mention right now that he was very big on having people translate his work because he wanted to be a very big world poet. He didn't want to just be a Georgian poet. He wanted to be the world's poet so he could have everyone kind of come in and understand what he's talking about, share what he can do with the world. And that was one of his big things, even though he wasn't able to do it because of, you know, the Soviet secrecy and not letting anything escape. Well, that kind of makes sense because, you know, Georgia is not that large of a country by population or size, but actually by the historical impact, I would say uh, pretty huge, to be honest. The Mongols and everyone else have, have like tried to exterminate all the cultures, but they just persevere. It's how the Caucasus are there, um, as we call them, the men of the mountains. Yes, the men of the mountains. <laughs> One thing that I've, I've noticed recently, by the way, dude, is the fact that a lot of people don't appreciate old school poetry and all that stuff, even though... I know that in Georgia, this is considered super manly. One of the pieces of, of the culture is like, you can't truly be a warrior if you're not a poet. You know, they really value poetry and just literature in general. I was talking to one of my friends who's also Georgian. And he was like, oh, yeah, I, they made us memorize all of, for example, Shota Rustaveli's Night in the Panther Skin, just because, you know, we're really proud as a Georgian to have that national epic with us. And they take really good care of their literature. Dude, the thing is, like, I can't pronounce those surnames at all. <laughs> I can pronounce everything that ends with a Vili. I can pronounce Jugashvili, mm -hmm. obviously. That's, that's Stalin's one. Sakartvelo or something? Sakartvelo. <laughs> Sakartvelo. Uh -huh. Great. See, I can manage that one. Not that hard. Oh, yeah, no, it gets it gets difficult. Because, um, as I mentioned, I'm studying Georgian. So there's sometimes I see word and letter combinations, and I'm like sitting there for 10 minutes trying to read the word. And then my Georgian teachers are just like, oh, here's the word. I'm like, I can't pronounce that altogether. It's difficult. They make it easier to pronounce. They're really good people, for sure. That again, well, uh, the alphabet itself is, uh, well, weird. By the way, we have Bojomi Mineral Water here. And when you look at the letters on top of it, it's like, oh, uh, okay. Something totally different. Cause yeah, no, it's its own little cultural hub. And even like its, its language group is its own language group. They're not similar to any Indo-European languages. They're just their own little thing, which I find really interesting. Because it's like, oh, they're so like in the mountains that they just develop their own language completely away from everyone else. And I really appreciate that. Even though that right now they, they're taking, they have some Greek words, they have some mixture of words from like all over time, but they really like stick stuck with their own language. And it's, it's one of those things that just kind of evolved as languages normally do. And I was really happy with the fact that, Oh, this is like, they never, succumb to like the Russians or, you know, to the Persians or to the Romans or the Greeks. They just kept on fighting. And most of the time they just, they were just left alone because no one wanted to go out that far. And when you have mountain passes everywhere, it's kind of hard to get into some places when they can just block the mountain and be like, yeah, never mind. To be fair, it took a bit of time to conquer that for the Soviet Union as well. I mean, one thing that we spoke about before we started recording is like the Georgian wine. If you speak about poetry, you have to mention wine too. If you haven't tried proper kagor, then you should totally do that, I think. Oh, yes. I'm always going to recommend the, the semi-sweet red Kings Marauli wine, because that is my favorite. Oh, oh, yes. Comrade, you're, you're bringing tears to my eye now. <laughs> yes, I actually just had my, my team here for the History of Sacramento, Georgia, just try it the other day, as I was mentioning before we started recording. 
and they just loved it. They thought it was great. Even the non-wine drinker and even my uncle who hates wine only buys Georgian wine. So it's always a good way to kind of introduce people to wine. But it's also really bad because then you're spoiled and you don't want to drink any of the French stuff or the Italian stuff anymore. Well, French stuff's considered fancy. But we're all Soviet people, you know, Belarus, Georgia and stuff. That's what I try to explain to people because uh, all the people who lived through that era, that period, I think, you know, you're Cuban too. I think you've experienced, or at least your relatives experienced some of the same things, really. Because there are many, many various kinds of what's happening now, but uh, yeah, sadly, I I think that they try to do it the Soviet way way more often than I should. And that's a tragic history. That's a tragic part of the the Georgian history as well. Mm-hmm. If you speak about all the deportations and the bad stuff no, that happened. And you're right about that. It's, it's always been a very difficult thing for the Georgians, especially when Koba was literally one of them and he started being the worst repressor of them as well. One thing that I always found weird is the fact that he was kind of a Russian nationalist despite being Georgian because uh, he believed that Georgians could never be ruled, you know, in the sense that they're being submissive to the commands given to them by the central authorities. And he was kind of right about that. However, when we when we return to Galaxion, I have to mention the fact that he wrote a lot of kind of romantic poetry. Romantic in the sense that romance stuff happening. I think that was his style. And uh, a lot of these, you know, for example, one of the more famous Georgian songs are Suliko, which is mm-hmm. very famous in the Soviet sphere. There's something very romantic and very kind of heartfelt and touching in your soul when you, you speak about Georgian poetry, I think. Oh, no, for sure. And even reading it, because I was reading The um, the Moon Over Mitatsminda, which is the Holy Mountain near Tbilisi. I always get goosebumps reading, because that's my favorite poem. I just read Ia because it was shorter, and I didn't want to read in Georgian for that long yet. <laughs> so we'd be here all day. Well, but no, I always get chills reading Georgian poetry and even reading some of like the, the folklore and you know, some of the other stories. Um, it's always interesting to see like how they feel and how they write. Cause you can always tell a lot by how in someone's writing and like the topics they write about and how in depth they go with it and how it affects them. And especially when you know the history behind what's happening and why they're writing things as well. There's this Caucasus feel in this. How do how do Georgians, in your mind, really translate this Georgian nest other nations? I mean, what's the most important thing? How you transfer? How you sell Georgia to other people? I speak in American capitalist terms now. How do you sell Georgia to other people? I think the easiest way that they always start with is the food and the wine, because for me, Georgian food is my favorite food type, uh, and you know, I, I really liked you know Italian food and other stuff, but now. If I see Georgian food anywhere, that is the first place I go to. And honestly, I didn't know about Georgia until I walked into a Georgian restaurant in St. Petersburg. And I was like, oh, this looks pretty cool. I've never seen this stuff before. And I started talking with the the owner and they're like, oh, yeah, we're from Georgia. I'm like, where's that? And how guest friendly the Georgians are. It always helps that they always make sure your stomach is full before you do anything. And they're going to start taking you dancing. They're very lively people. And from what I've noticed is just the fact that they're always going to be there to help is if they can. And they always have your back until, you know, you make them mad or if you give them a reason not to be your friend anymore. But usually they're going to be your friend, ride or die, essentially. And they're fantastic people. And I have always loved associating with Georgian people because they're the nicest people you're going to meet up front, especially because you said they were, you know, they're extroverted 
so that whatever you see from them is what you're going to get from them, essentially. Well, same thing has to be said about Americans, too, by the way, because um, that's one thing I noticed, because my American listeners might not like this, but you guys have a lot more in common with us in Eastern Europe than you have the West. I mean, I, I get that, because Eastern Europeans are more communal, and I think the, the Americans also tend to be a lot more communal, because when I was in Western Europe, you know, people would usually skip to themselves, and it's the same in Eastern Europe. People keep to themselves, but, you know, they're more guest-friendly, and what you get is what you get up front. You're not going to get any lies from them because they have no reason to lie because, as you know, they spent 70 plus years being unable to hide things. Yeah, that also causes a bunch of mistrust and everything, but uh, one thing that I know is like, Western Europe does not have a bag for bags. Mm -hmm. In America, as far as I've seen, we have a plastic bag where we stuff all the plastic bags in the cupboard. (laughs) I have that too. I have that too. (laughs) It's an important thing. Where else am I going to put all my trash in, you know? If I already have plastic bags, I'm not going to buy more to throw stuff out. No, that's that's a thing. That's a very Eastern European thing. I got that from my family because they're all Cuban, so it's... I just picked that up from them. So for me, it was always fun just because, oh, we have the plastic bag for the plastic bags. And then once that plastic bag is full, we get a bigger plastic bag to put those bags in. And then we always have to use them for trash um, no matter what. So we always have like small trash bags we put in the bathrooms and everything. And just it's always for trash. It's never, Or like if you have if we have to like take a lunchbox, we don't take a lunchbox. We just grab a plastic bag and put our lunch in there. Yeah, it makes sense. Hello there. Thank you for tuning in into another episode of The Eastern Border. We are so happy to announce that this episode is brought to you by our friends at russansov.com. If you're looking to buy new art, don't forget to use the code Eastern Border for a discount on us. Remember, head over to russansov.com and happy shopping. If, however, you want to support our show directly, head over to patreon.com or our website theeasternborder.lv to find out how you can help out. For all things Eastern Border, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Discord. And as always, thank you so much for supporting us. We really appreciate each and every one of you. That's all from me now. See you online. This podcast brought to you by RussianVoiceOvers.eu. Enjoy! Greetings, comrades, and uh, welcome back to the Eastern Border. You will not notice it, but we will, because uh, it's been a week. Our plans, of course, is everything on Eastern Border went a bit awry, because in the, in the middle of our last conversation, I was struck by a migraine, and I really, unfortunately, had to quit. We're here, and we're going to continue speaking about poetry, Georgia, but I hope this is going to be fine. We're ready to continue. How are you today, Roberto? I'm doing just fine and dandy here. I'm kind of just ready to talk about Galactione, because I know I have a few listeners who are pretty excited to hear about Galactione. So, Well then, give us the whole story. Alrighty. So, because you, in this case, dear sir, are my expert. I shall interview the hell out of you and show you will answer to me. Oh no, I'm the expert now? This is weird. I'm going to do my best here. Okay. <laughs> First of all, I want to know, why is he so super important? So Galaktion is basically the king of poetry in Georgia. I mean, I wrote everything down to kind of just flow into why he's so important. But basically, he's just a very important poetry master who's up there with Shotak Rustavelli who I'll also get a bit into as I talk about Galaktion. Well then, 
Well then, please do. By the way, I looked him up and I, I saw his muse and, well, she was pretty. And Mr. Galactioni, I will add a picture to this episode because, man, this guy's pretty handsome, I'd say. And he changes a lot. Like, I really like him with his beard and his fedora. He kind of reminds me of, like, a bit of Dostoevsky, which is also, like, my favorite writer. So, Galactioni! Uh, Galactioni's story actually starts a few months before he was born, because this is a nice little tidbit I found. In the spring of 1891, in the village of Chkvisi, or wait, Chkvisi, because Georgian is difficult, in western Georgia, there lay a dying man. He was short of breath, coughing continuously, and dying of his, well, pneumonia. His wife sat at his bedside, caring for him. All the while, he prayed for her strength and continued on with her life to care for his son, who lay sleeping in another room. That son is not Galactione. The wife came close to him and whispered that she was pregnant once more. The dying man's face lit up, called for his father, and asked for the jug of wine. His father filled the glass to the brim. The man toasted to his upcoming child, drank the wine to the last drop, and with a sigh of satisfaction, breathed no more. Seven months later, on November 17, 1891, a boy was born to the widowed woman, whom she would name Galaction, or Galaxy. And this is the story of George's king of poets, Galaction Tabidze. This is extremely Georgian. Like, <laughs> seriously, it encompasses everything that I know about Georgia and their mentality and how they function. Yeah, and he even has wine in there too, which I just loved. <laughs> yeah, wine on his deathbed. One son who's ready to, to sit by his father while his father dies. And of course, his wife comes in and says that she's pregnant. I mean, folks, it, it doesn't really get more Georgian than this. Also, I can only imagine someone's playing like Suliko or some other tragic song in the background on, on the violin or something. Oh, yeah, no, like you see, if this was our movie, they'd just be playing that tragic song right there. It's like, oh, you know, it's, this, is the, this is the setting scene. This is the opener. Yeah. But um, <laughs> let me continue on with some more Galaktion. Um, so Galaktioni was different from his peers in which he never took part of the different contemporary movements going on throughout the 20th century, and instead he mastered the finest traditions of his native Georgian poetry. He brought new life to the Georgian verse in such a way that it had become its own poetical form. His poetry is rife with musical verse based on inner melodies, replete with novel images and vivid imagination. Galaction includes enigmatic metaphors and symbols and creates an incomparable realm of poetry as an inexhaustible source of death, delight, purity, and dramatic effect. Through his poems, he expresses a strong belief that his poetry can transform the world. Galaction aimed to create poetry that he meant for the world to see, and he always encouraged people to translate his work into different languages, even though it would be near impossible. I mentioned this earlier, and like... It's one of those things, like, it's always really hard to just change poetry and translate it to different languages. But if you can do it, it's props to you, especially with Galaction. And now, today, and even by his contemporaries, Galaction is considered to be the king of poets. He became rather popular as a poet thanks to the popularity of his first few volume verses, which he just named Poems, which was published in 1914. And then the next one, Artistic Flowers which he published in 1919. Uh, he has the privilege of being one of only two poets in Georgia to have a whole field study of study dedicated to his work, the other poet being the author of the Georgian national epic, Shota Rustavelli, who wrote The Knight in the Panther Skin back in the late 1100s, early 1200s, during Georgia's golden age under Tamar Mepe, or King Tamar. But back to Gallo, because we're not here to hear about Shota. I'll get to that in my own show in a few months or years. 
<laughs> you should. Uh, this is a great marketing trick, by the way. Everyone, go check out the uh, history of. I still can't pronounce that name. History of Georgia. Okay, you'll know. I'll post the history of Sakartvelo, Georgia. Sakartvelo. That's a problem. You can't really pronounce it. I am from the frozen. <laughs> but seriously, go check out history of Sakartvelo, Georgia. I'll be saying that multiple times during this episode, anyways. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. So uh, let's. I think we should talk a bit about his childhood. We don't really know a lot about it, just because it's kind of. He was a very private person, so he didn't reveal a lot. So what we do know is that he grew up in Kutaisi, um, a major town in western Georgia, which is also like the cultural epicenter of Georgia, which you can compare to St. Petersburg in Russia. And if you want to be a bit more historical and more mythological, it's where the Golden Fleece was found. Yeah, this, the thing is like uh, all these poets in this era, it's kind of hard to imagine that these days someone would uh, still be able to even hold on to a mysterious background because everything's known about everyone. Like we have social media all the time, but just imagine that a person that's so important and, and really impactful is, is still, you know, very private. And so that he can still keep all his secrets kind of telling about the times don't you think and about all this attitude towards privacy at that time, I think it's changed a lot. Yeah. And what I find really fascinating is, is that this was just only like just a bit over 100 years ago now. So, like, the fact that he could have been that private and no one would know anything, not even that much over 100 years, is just, like, mind-blowing to me. Because it's like, oh, I could walk down the street and everyone, like, would know my name, but I go home, they don't know what's happening because I can't just post to Facebook or Instagram, like, hey, I'm eating this. It's like, no one's going to know. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. How will they know? But again, maybe, maybe that's something that we're missing. I mean, lately, social media has become more prevalent. However, back when people didn't have social media, they, they could spend more time of actually, you know, writing good poetry, maybe. Yeah, exactly. So actually, in 1912, he fell in love with a woman named Olga Okujava. Do you recognize the surname Okujava at all? I have heard of it, but I'm not sure if that is the Okujava. Wait. So I'm just going to say it now. She is the aunt of the Russian poet Bulat Okujava. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had heard of Bulat Okujava. Yeah, so Galaktion married his aunt. <laughs> um, and Olya, you know, as you would demunitize her name, shared his passion for poetry. Uh, she was from a family of Bolsheviks and quite educated. I think you can see where this is going. <laughs> um, she believed strongly in bringing about social changes through revolution. 
They got married in 1916, but they spent quite long periods living apart from each other for uh, obvious reasons. Um, it, uh, during the February Revolution in Russia, Galaktion happened to be back in Kutaisi. This is actually a story I thought was really cool. And one time when he entered the theater, he found himself surrounded by people who were shouting loudly, Revolution! Revolution! Banners! Uh, they recognized Galaktion, lifted him up onto their shoulders, and carried him along the hall with the same shouts. Galaktion was so touched by this welcome and for the call of freedom that he composed this poem, Keep Banners High. This poem has become quite famous and is beloved for being an appeal for freedom and liberty in Georgia. In 1917, he frequented St. Petersburg or Petrograd. See, see I, I still call it St. Petersburg at all times because, well, it's one of those cities that got renamed so often that it's just better to use St. Petersburg, I think. It's the same place because Petrograd, St. Petersburg, even at the time, by the way, of the sources, a lot of people use both names just whatever. Uh, even like in like they were just like 1991. Let's rename it Sankt Petersburg again. We just like the name we like for it. We don't want Leningrad or Petrograd. Well, so far we've had what Saritsyn, Stalingrad, also and Volgograd as well. It's not just that place. Yeah, so Volgograd is now Stalingrad and Saritsyn. Was that also Volgograd? That's the same city. It used oh. to be Saritsyn. Now it's Volgograd. Oh, it makes sense. <laughs> that whole Stalin thing it didn't really go over that well. I mean. You might have heard. Who's Stalin? I don't know who that is at all. <laughs> it's not like I've been listening to the Eastern Border for like every episode. <laughs> but um, in 1918, uh, he established himself in Tbilisi after the revolution, thanks to the Democratic Republic of Georgia being formed, which lasted until 1921. But I don't want to talk about that yet. <laughs> um, however, by the 20s, as I'm sure you know, Many things were beginning to go awry with the Soviet Union. Many of the old Bolsheviks were accused of being unfaithful to the revolution, and Olga Okujava's family fell under this scrutiny. What do you mean accused of? Of course they were uh, counter-revolutionary agents. <laughs> Every last one of them. Every last one of them. Um, Olya was arrested in 1921 and was sent to exile in Uzbekistan. And things in Soviet Georgia weren't that great either. Um, but it was thanks to Galaktion's luck or cunning, or, you know, because he was a very private person, he tended to avoid groups and even making friends with people and was spared the political maneuvers and purges of the Georgian Union of Writers in 1930. This can also be attributed to his cousin, another poet, Titsian Tabidze. Wait, wait, a short explanation here about the Union of Writers. I don't think they exist in the Western world. But wherever Soviets went, they had the same attitude towards art as they had towards everything else. So your union of writers was basically a trade union. And of course, that was the collective of your own peers that would judge you and be like the supreme authority, which would then get slapped if they tried to do something which is then censored. Just, just to explain what the union of writers is, I'm not sure that they existed anywhere else outside of that. this part of, of, of the Iron Curtain, I suppose. I know in the US, we don't really have a writer's union. We have... I mean, we kind of do, but like they don't have as much power as the, you know, the Soviet ones. 2008, the screenwriters union protests canceled a lot of TV shows, but back to the, back to Georgia. One reason why Galaktion has this one nickname I'm about to explain is that his cousin Tizian Tabidze, who's also a poet, nicknamed him as the Chevalier of the Order of Loneliness. So that explains why he probably is nothing ever happened to him. Cause like, he was never around to be uh, <laughs> accused of anything. As, as the book I was reading says, because it, it was really hard to find sources in English about Galaktion. And my Russian reading has only gotten worse over the years. However, 
The Soviet intrigues did not end there. A rumor came about in Tbilisi that it was our Koba, Joseph Shukashvili, or Joseph Stalin, spared Galaktioni from anything happening to him. Rumor is that when a delegation of Georgian writers came to Moscow to meet Koba, the list of delegates were sent to the Kremlin and Galaktion was not included. Stalin saw the list and instantly inquired, where is the king of poets? I mean, I don't know how true that is, but uh, it is just a rumor. <laughs> I mean, it would make sense. It is certainly believable since, uh, well, Stalin liked art. He was a quiet man himself, but he picked his nickname out of a, out of a Georgian book, right, about Koba. Mm-hmm. He was a fan of, of uh, Western movies, and he personally kind of yelled at uh, some of our Soviet directors about which actors they should pick for which character. We know that he micromanaged that, so quite probably he at least could have have... Uh, specifically called for Galactioni, he actually quite much enjoyed art. So it's believable. I'd say it's believable. Obviously, can't confirm here. Yeah, I can't confirm, but it's believable according to Kristaps. And on the Soviet note, all Soviet workers and representatives of the intelligentsia were strongly advised to join the Communist Party and serve it faithfully, since membership would be favorable to their careers and promotions. Galaction looked at these people and said, you know what? I don't think I will and never became a member of the Communist Party. Despite not being a member, this mad lad, Galaktion, was awarded the Order of Lenin in 1932. <laughs> so I thought that was a pretty interesting tidbit. It's like, oh yeah, I'm not joining, but thanks for the order. <laughs> kind of makes sense, since if you're not exactly a member, well, at that point, Galaktion probably had seen what happened to those people who um, joined the Communist Party and tried to do some politicking there. As we say in Latvia, they they um, they ate a tasty cake once. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes, just the one time. It's like you know, you jump out of an airplane with no parachute. It's just the one time. Yeah, I suppose so. It was thanks to this award that the Soviet government decided to release uh, Olga Kujava, and she came back to Georgia. They went on vacation in Kobuleti, a resort on the Black Sea, but their time together was short-lived because soon enough. Olya was accused of being a Trotskyite and was arrested once more. <laughs> she was imprisoned in Tbilisi, but in 1936, as part of the Stalinist purges, she was sent into exile into Russia with no permission to correspond. Which is, which is, by the way, a weird punishment if you think about it. I mean, maybe. Actually, we have to think about that. Olya actually sent letters to Galaktion, but some biographers assume that he never wrote back to her. And even if he did write back to her, his letters were probably destroyed in the transit to her. Being strained from his wife led Galaktion to go to the normal things, you know, go to the bar and become an alcoholic and depressed. Galaktion foresaw what would happen to his wife, and he wrote the poem, Her Eyes Stayed Open As She Died. And then in 1941, Olga Kujava was executed in Oriol, Russia. Uh. Yeah... <laughs> this is kind of a kind of a thing. I'm starting to notice a pattern because if you're a successful author from from that era, when the second great unpleasantness happened, then yeah, tendency for everyone to just get super drunk and fall into depression is. I think it was a fad at that point. You mean it still isn't? It's an, <laughs> I don't know, but it, you know, it was a fad, especially because like if, if you're in the Soviet Union, what else is there to do other than get drunk and be depressed? If you're not, you know, within the upper arms of the party. Which is, at this point, at this point, Galaktion is living where exactly? Um, he's probably still living in Tbilisi at this point, or in Kutaisi, or going between both places. Hey, whichever makes the best wine at the moment. Uh, I always say, you know, go for the, the eastern area that has a better wine region. But everyone has their preferences. By 1943, 
things weren't so gloomy for Galaction because he met and married Nino Kimirikadze, whom he had admired in his youth. He had no children from either marriage, but Galaction adopted Nino's son and daughter, and they lived together until Galaction's death. Galaction was given much affection by his countrymen, and he was never comfortable in the company of his other writers because, especially those favored by the Soviet regime and official cultural circles, and in one instance, proud communists used to reproach Galaction for not joining the Communist Party, and like the mad lad that he is, Galaction merely responded, the certificate of your being the member is in your pocket, but mine is over my breast. You know, speaking about his order of Lenin. As expected, I mean... Yeah. This guy, this guy sounds like a friendly person whom you would want to hang out with in a bar, but you shouldn't really try to make him angry. I wouldn't recommend it personally. Yeah, no, like, <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it either, but I would totally love to drink with this guy, but not as much as he would. <laughs> um, however, Galak wasn't really proud of his award, and sometimes, either deliberately or carelessly, would leave the Order of Lenin in a pub after drinking. Sometimes his devoted fans would keep it safe until he came back to the pub or they would deliver it to his house. So he would just take it off and just kind of forget about it. <laughs> this also kind of shows the level of, of uh, devotion there because you have fans that like you so much that they're ready to pick up your antics and deliver stuff to your house. Mm -hmm. And the Lenin's Order is one of the highest awards in the Soviet Union in general. So, yeah, that's that's a lot, specifically knowing how the crime rate went out there. And this is sort of a disrespect to the to the order itself. A person of such standing should uh, show some moral, moral um, high ground, so to speak. Yeah, rebel how you can, right? <laughs> you know, I think you mentioned in one of your episodes, like, if there was any way, you know, the Soviet citizens could rebel against the government, they would do it. Like, even if it was, like, listening to, you know, rock and roll on the radio or something. Yeah, this is, this is by the way, what I find most weird about all the situation is, like, I think I've mentioned that and. In a couple of episodes, but the fact that, uh, you know, all this counterculture stuff, all the hippies and punks and everything, that was viewed as socialist in the United States. Meanwhile, here it is viewed as degenerate capitalists trying to ruin our social, <laughs> socialist happiness. <laughs> the news spread quickly about him leaving his Order of Lenin around the, around the city, and the one of the secretaries of the Central Committee invited Galaction to his office to discuss this case. The conversation went a little bit like this. Your senior comrade is very annoyed, said the secretary. Whom do you mean by senior comrade? The only senior comrade of mine is Akaki Tseretili. And Tseretili was a great Georgian poet of the 19th century who inspired Galaction. As a little side note, so we know who it is. After he said this, Galaction patted the leader on this cheek with his gloved hand and then he left. <laughs> Only Galaction would be given such liberty to respond in this way without punishment. <laughs> this is serious. You had to be so important and so you know influential and popular and known that you just couldn't get punished without severe repercussions. This is why, for example, you know they allowed the uh, Solzhenitsyn to kind of live and, and stuff, and they didn't also kill Saharov. It's one of those cases where, yeah, if we do that, there's going to be a massive scandal and we're going to have uprisings and lots and lots of troubles. Mm -hmm. So it's just better to leave him alone. It, it just it really serves as a testament to Galaxiolli's importance. Yeah. However, um, happiness is mandatory. Um, <laughs> despite people recognizing him in the streets and being given their love and appreciation as a real living king of poetry, 
Galaction was a very lonely man who endured deep and tragic suffering. His natural depressive temperament led him to attempt suicide several times, but he was always saved at the last minute by different eyewitnesses. And then on March 17th, 1959, I am sad to report that Galaction Tabidze was finally successful in his attempt and threw himself off of the upper floor of the hospital where he was being interned for depression. The nation went into deep mourning and he was buried with state honors in the pantheon of poets and writers on Mittatsminda, or the Holy Mountain. The moon over Mittatsminda is also one of my favorite poets from Galaktion. It gives me goosebumps when I read it. And that is Galaktion Tabidze. <laughs> Happiness is mandatory. <laughs> no, this is great because you kind of... If you look at this, this guy is an example of, of what a Soviet, this art really was. It's easy in the West to be someone who stands up against power because, you know, not like people are going to shoot you or arrest you or, or exile your wife far away and then shoot her, right? Mm-hmm. But but to never give up and, and even kind of break down a bit, this, well, obviously he broke down, it kind of makes sense. He's a sensitive, was a sensitive soul. There's a lot of stories about, about great people like this and this is also one of those reasons why I always say that happiness is mandatory and you kind of have to push through. Because in societies where there's real, you know, struggle, this is way, way more pronounced. What was Galaktion's legacy? What are we up to right now? Uh, so Galaktion's legacy. Uh, basically, as I mentioned earlier, he has this whole field of study dedicated to just his poetry. He's still considered like the best poet in Georgian history. Even right now, there's like archives like of tents of hundreds of thousands of his poems, thousands of his poems in an archive that, you know, they haven't been translated or released yet. He just wrote so much and we can't read all of them because they're just hidden away before being released or they're still not translated. So I can't find them that easily. He's super famous still though. Like people still refer to him affectionately as Gallo. And when people go crazy over Galactione, it's like, oh, Galactione's poem, they, they still memorize it in school. You know, it's actually one of those things. It's like, basically he's Pushkin. If you want to uh, compare him to somebody. Uh, I have to make an episode dedicated to Pushkin at some point as well. Yeah, that's a subject that I will need to tackle because he kickstarted Russian literature and painted. I can send you some pictures I have from St. Petersburg of his like house and his graves. And if you stuff. have pictures of all the guns he used while dueling, because he was crazy about dueling. But that's for another episode. Spoiler alert, that's how he died too. But uh, but yeah, this is weird because, yeah, Galactiadi sounds like a really, really crazy guy. And again, I highly recommend that you try and find some poems of his in, in English. Since, well, for one, people people from the eastern parts guarantee. If you see a, a, a nice nice girl from, from around these parts who enjoys poetry... You read her Galactione's poetry and tell her that, oh, look, I'm reading a Georgian writer here. Like bonus points guaranteed. Definitely. Oh, I, I know. Um, one of my, <laughs> just funny story. <laughs> That's how I started dating one of my exes. <laughs> I, I recited poetry to her and she was from Eastern Europe. So she was really happy about that. It's like, you know, our poetry in the original language. I'm like, yeah. And then we started dating. <laughs> this is amazing. Well, sadly, we don't we don't have that much time remaining on this episode. But yeah, why did you why did you choose Galactione? Because you know when I mentioned that we should collaborate on the show, Roberto here he instantly told me that uh, we we must make an episode on Galactione. So it must mean something personal to you. Why did you choose the subject and and what what drew you close? 
And another question that ties into this. Why did you even choose to make History of Georgia podcast? And what drive you to that? Okay, I'm going to answer Galactioni first, and then why did I choose History of Georgia? Okay, so the reason I chose to talk about Galactioni was because, I'm going to be honest, I had to read one of his poems for my Georgian class, and then I really liked it. And I was just started reading about his life. And I was like, oh, I kind of want to talk about this, but I want to do it in the time period that you know he shows up in. And then I was looking at my schedule and that's like, oh, that's a few years from now. I can't wait that long because <laughs> I need to tell people about this person. Because when I, I'm very much the, if I find out something and I get excited about it, I need to tell everybody. So it's not great when I have to do like a narrative history podcast. <laughs> so, um, so I have to wait sometimes or just do bonus episodes. And even if I do the bonus episodes, I'm like, it has to make kind of sense for the time period. So right now I'm just doing myths because it makes sense for the time period and they're just easier to do um, than just read 500 lines of poetry. And um, But I wanted to go back to Yoni because I knew he was involved with the Soviet Union. So I was like, Eastern Border, let's do talk about someone who's Soviet because we need to have someone Georgian on there that's not Joseph Stalin. There are still people that, that were not Stalin in Georgia? Wow. What? You know, <laughs> I, not Stalin and not Beria. There we go. That's, I think that'd be better to say. As per usual, we have this very typical extra dark yet funny episode. Yeah. By the way, talking talking about myths, uh, if you listen to my last episode, which is my, my Halloween special, I did a bit of the, these uh, Soviet Soviet Army myths. So if you hear anything of that sort from anyone in your Georgian class or whatever, please let me know. I'll be super happy. <laughs> we'll do. We'll do. Um, and then why did I choose to make the history of Sakartavelo, Georgia? Okay. So this actually goes back to when I was listening to the history of Byzantium by Robin Pearson. And he started talking about Georgia. And I'm like, oh, that's super interesting. Like, I kind of like the region. I remember about it. And he was talking about all these like medieval history stuff, you know, it's like, David of Tao and everything. And I was like, okay, let me look for stuff I can read about this because I want to know more about this because he's only going to cover the Byzantine aspects. And then I started looking. I found the books a lot faster. And then I was looking for another podcast. And I'm like, oh, there is no Georgian history podcast. And then I was like, oh, you know, I'll just, you know, I'll just wait a bit to see if someone decides to make it. And then, you know, I was waiting. I already bought the books at that point. And I was like, okay, no one's making a podcast and I still can't find anything and no one's talking about it. And if someone was talking about it, it was just from the Soviet perspective. And I'm like, the Soviet stuff is cool, but like, I liked being able to like talk about like the knights and all the other fun stuff that happened before the Soviets because, you know, they had their own kingdom and conquered by other people beforehand. And at that point, I was like, you know, I'm bored. I have nothing else to do. And I wanted to try, I wanted to make a podcast already. I just didn't know about what I was thinking about Cuba, but I was like, that's too close to home. I don't want to talk about Cuba. You know, when my family is there and they can judge me for talking it. About, talking about which, uh, Roberto, I will have to kind of um, make you a bit worried because we have a lot of listeners from Cuba on this show. You're welcome, my Cuban audience. Please listen to History of Georgia as by, by Roberto from Cuba. Yes. Go on, <laughs> <laughs> I will actually that's actually my plan for after the history of Sacramento, Georgia is to do a history of Cuba. So this is me testing the waters. The whole reason I wanted to do it is because I wanted to talk about Georgia because no one else talks about Georgia. And then I just started having a bit of a Georgia kick. I'm gonna be admitted, I got bored of reading and listening about Russia. Not that I don't mind it, but like I just studied it for a long time in college and then 
just outside. So like, I don't mind hearing an episode every a few times a week about it, but it's, it's something I couldn't just keep doing because everyone else was doing it. So I had to be the hipster and be like, yeah, I'm going to do Georgia. Um, and then I wrote my first episode, which was a really bad episode. <laughs> but, you know, I think it, it starts getting better once we hit the Achaemenid episode five, the Achaemenid period. So um, once we actually enter some history stuff, and then the narrative actually starts on episode six, which I think is really nice. With the fun of us. This is also kind of how I explain uh, my show to people, but some people insist of starting with episode one of my show as well. I did. Which you can't <laughs> get on Stitcher anymore. I find my early stuff like so weird. It was irregular. I didn't know what I was doing. So uh, yeah, I, I can I can understand those feels totally right. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, you're going to have to send me the link to your show and your best quality art because that's also going on the show uh, later on. But yeah, this is this is great because I highly recommend History of Georgia since my goal for starting the Eastern Border at the time was exactly the same as yours. I, I was listening to other podcasts and I was, I was thinking, hey, why is there people who claim to be experts of Russia and all of our region of like all of Soviet Union? Because they had spent like a half a year living in St. Petersburg and half a year living in Moscow, right? Uh, I feel called out here. <laughs> thank you for this. Sadly, our time is coming to an end, but this was very productive and I thank you a lot for it. I will definitely, when we when we touch some Caucasus-related stuff, well, thank you. And you are now the official expert whom I shall call for advice. Oh, no. It's going to be great. All right. Sounds awesome. I'll do it. <laughs> great. So, please, if you have any Final greeting to the listeners of the Eastern Border Podcast. Or if you want to say anything to the Cubans, please, everything's yours. And, and for me, it's the Sudania Tavarishi. Alrighty. Marlbadanakfamdis. And thank you for listening to the Eastern Border. <laughs> oh, and once again, history of Sakartvelto, Georgia. Did I say it right? Sakartvelo. Okay. Hey, thank you. Have a great one. Thank you for listening to the Eastern Border Show. If you have any questions or comments, go to our website, theeasternborder.lv, and leave a comment there. Or email us at theeasternborder at gmail.com. We'll be sure to answer. You can also follow us on social media and contact us there. If you enjoyed this episode, then leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends about us. It really helps us grow the show. And remember, happiness is mandatory. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.